Businesses tend to focus on revenue, profits, and getting loyal customers. But how about healthy workplace culture? You're listening to How I Turned the Corner, where Kendra Prospero leads eye-opening conversations that most business leaders avoid. The right way to address employee challenges. Listen to real-life stories of workplace struggles, giving you valuable advice on what must be done to make every employee truly satisfied and fulfilled in their job. This is for leaders who want to create great company cultures and for employees who want to do something to put an end to suffering at work in the most practical ways possible. Here's your host, Kendra. When I started my business, I quickly figured out that the number one reason that people hate a job is because of their manager. It's not that a manager is a bad thing, but if a leader promotes someone into management, but they actually haven't taught them how to be a manager, it's just not going to work out. Management is a skill and it can be taught to, I would say, most people. It's very common, though, for growing businesses to ignore this critical detail. But our guest today sees this as one of his most important differentiators to really scale the culture. I know you all are tired of hearing me say this. So we're going to hear today from Jimmy Eberhard, the founder of Fluid Truck. He has been named one of the most intriguing entrepreneurs in the U.S. by Goldman Sachs. Under his leadership, Fluid Truck has been recognized as one of the fastest growing companies in the U.S. by Inc. Magazine and one of the fastest growing technology companies in Colorado by the Denver Business Journal. Jimmy Eberhard, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. Hey, Kendra. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, you are a serial entrepreneur. So this is not the first business that you've started. So tell us a little bit about the journey of what it's been like with your company now and kind of some of the decisions that you've made differently with this company compared to like maybe your very first startup. Well, there's definitely been a lot of learning lessons across the years on how to grow people, how to challenge them, how to kind of put good, talented people in certain spots. Sometimes set them up to failure to help them grow. Sometimes put them in a spot where it's not necessarily the right spot for them, but to help them kind of round out their overall skills. And I think one of the key things about really scaling a business is you need dynamic people. You need to understand what people are good at, what they love to do, and then try to find really their core sets and like what they are passionate about and try to match up what their responsibilities and what their ownership is and to help them overall you know, accomplish the mission you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. When did training become so important? I mean, I read a few articles where you mentioned this. When did it become a part of your culture? Because it is unusual. I mean, I think our trainings, a lot of it is through trial and error. And like saying, you know, take risks, try things out, understand what the metrics you're trying to achieve are. We, we tend to, and we've, you know, I guess throughout the course of my, my career is, I've stepped into a lot of industries that I know nothing about. I don't have any season there. And just kind of looking at the end user and saying, okay, this is the right thing. This is where it's going to go. And how do we take those incremental steps here to help evolve, to make it easier, simpler, and better for the end user? And I think if you kind of always build for that person and look at what their pain points are, and sometimes they're not even aware of what their pain points are and like how things could be done. How do you save them time? How do you save them money? And how do you make things easier so they can be more effective what they do? Like staying true to those core concepts are important. And so trying to teach those kind of uh, theoretical things, like, you know, I'd rather take someone that loves something, even if they have no formal training on it, but they deeply have a passion for it. They're going to be more successful than someone that's spent 10 or 20 years or has gone to school for that type of a skill set. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I got into my industry is I didn't know anything about it, but I have always been curious about the work people do. And so even though I didn't take this on as a education or even as an initial career path, I've always been extremely passionate about it. And now I think I found my calling for sure. <laughs> I mean, natural curiosity is that core thing. If you're curious about it and then you dig deeper and deeper. I mean, the natural curiosity is how you grow more than anything else. Uh-huh. What have been some of your biggest challenges as a leader? Like I call it head trash. Like what's been some of your head trash you've overcome in the last few years? We've seen changing overall landscape. I mean, I kind of look at like what we've seen through COVID, even pre-COVID. I mean, watching like one of the biggest shifts in consumer consumption and how people behave. I mean, pre-pandemic, like the whole art of going and buying basic commodities, toothbrushes, toilet paper. Usually you take time out of your day to drive to a store to do that. And you don't get a lot of margin utility out of it. And it's a way of with a lot of those core things that you buy all the time. Uh, having those delivered to your door is just such a much easier thing for you to focus on what you have to do in life. And so we've kind of watched this COVID's helped shift e-commerce and having goods and services delivered to you, whether it be food, whether it be groceries, whether it be durable goods. You start watching all those where you order it on your phone and have it delivered out to you. And that's been a shift that happened before COVID, but COVID made it dangerous to go out and buy toilet paper. You start watching people that are probably have never bought toilet paper online be forced into that. And then you start recognizing, wow, this isn't really important for me to go out and buy this. I can just have it delivered on a recurring basis. And I always have what I need now to worry about it. And you can dedicate more of your time to what's important to you. Mm-hmm. So when you think about yourself as a leader, what has shifted for you in the last year? From a leadership and internal standpoint, I mean, 2018, we were like five people. Today, we're about 500. And so, I mean, we've grown a ton here over the last like four years and trying to really find smart, passionate people and to give them the ability to grow, laying down goals and mechanisms of where we want to get to, how we're going to get there and really empowering them to go out there and create and build. It's taken a giant group of hardworking, smart, passionate people to go out there and do it and really trying to guide them in the right steps. Sometimes it's difficult. A lot of times it's the first time you know, people are stepping into this role and watching people that three years ago were one person that now are leading teams of over 100 people. And some of these people have no management experience before, but trying to give them the fundamentals, the, the tools to be out there and empower and scale and grow individuals has probably been definitely one of the biggest challenges we've had to face. Yeah, that's very hard because once you get past that sort of initial leadership level where you've got maybe your C-suite and other co-founders or other people that have been with you for a while, you've now got managers of managers, that can be where culture starts to fall apart if you're not really aware of it. Has that been your experience? Have you noticed that? If you're not attentive to it, it absolutely will. You can have divergence within an organization where you have cultural goals that aren't aligned. And when you do that, you drive factions. And when you have factions, when you try to go out and say, hey, here's a big problem that we need to solve or or to get to our mission and trying to steer a ship that has cultural disalignment can just be like the whole downfall of a company. Mm -hmm. So I mean, trying to ensure that everybody is looking, hiring, driving people at the same kind of cultural value lines, the same mission, the same goals, the same thought process we're trying to get to, but hiring those cultural sets and doing it in a mechanism that's reinforced continuously, very difficult thing. And it's even even more problematic if you have divergence that sits inside a company where you have dividing goals and culture and the guidelines that you want to hit to. So something where it's like we hire with our culture in mind or our culture and our values, we hire and grow and we continually company-wide beings, it's the first thing we lead with. And we're continuing trying to reinforce that all the way through. So 
we try to, to ensure that we don't have divergence of different values and cultural goals that disseminate or get believed or get taught. How do you do that? Like, what's the how? So let me reiterate this. So you went from five employees to 500 in a four-year period. That's huge, explosive growth. So how did you keep the culture maintained? I mean, what did you have specific things you did? Yeah, it's. I mean, so it starts from hiring, right? So right. in the hiring process, you have the values that you look for inside of the individual that's coming on, and you try to, to grade and score against that and making sure that their values are going to be aligned for driving the core basis of what we see has been successful for us and that we have inside here. Looking for individuals that are going to be help bring not only different ways of thinking, but still be valued along the same lines that are going to push and drive other people to grow with inside the organization. And it's continuing to work on it. Every company we're out there, that's the lead of it. This is why we're here. These are the values that we are important to us. This is what we've been hired for. This is why you are all here and try to continue to reinforce it. But it's something that the day you forget about it, the day you kind of put on the back burner is the day you start drawing different value lines, which then starts leading to a very dark spot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've experienced that. I mean, I've only had really one really, really bad hire because I mean, I try to do this well, right? This is the work I do, right? One bad hire is amazing. Well, because though, I mean, I've had people that didn't work out, but they didn't work out after many, many, many months. And it was really ultimately became a values misalignment and it made sense. And it was going to be one of those things that was hard to discover during an interview process. But I've had one where I just made that, you just said, I just made that spur of the moment decision, didn't follow the process didn't adhere to it at all. And it was a disaster. Yeah. I mean, full on. I was like, okay, no longer am I ever going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. The effect it can have on the rest of the team is just a, a massive multiplier of destruction, distress, and it can just be such a leading factor just to the downfall of a company. Oh yeah. I mean, I have this amazing like ego-free team that we just never have infighting. We have great, solid conflict. Like it's just not ever mean. And all of a sudden this beautiful, amazing team I had was like fighting and crying. And I was like, what has happened? (laughs) And it was because of this hire I'd made that just really wasn't a fit. So yeah. Yeah, we all have to learn those tough lessons. <laughs> sometimes when you're in those where you have it, you're like, what's going on here? And you work to correct it. And you start spending more time trying to correct those in- internal issues and trying to build the company and go. I and know. When you kind of identify where the problem's at and where it's there and you eliminate. I mean, we in our early days, we had a similar situation where we had a person that was driving a lot of distraction, a lot of like let's fight amongst each other instead of fighting for how do we build for our customers. And as soon as we eliminate that, I mean, quickly, we got on the right path and we scaled dramatically quick. So tell me a little bit more about what have been some of your tougher decisions you've had to make about employees? Like when you say tougher decisions, I mean, there's tough decisions for employees all the time. What do you mean specifically? Well, I mean, have you had an instance where you had someone on the team that you were on the fence about and you had a hard time deciding to let them go or keep them on? And what was the outcome finally? Yeah, no, I mean, you have that, but what you want to do is do it as a team together. And it it takes a village to grow. And so you really want to have discussions and get buy-in and make sure that everybody's kind of aligned across when you need to remove somebody because you don't get like, you know, you're building a team where everybody's got ownership, what's going on. And so it's important just to have those a role. But I mean, ultimately, when you see those, you got to be quick to say, hey, we need to eliminate this. And you're not always going to be right all the time, but you got to be quick to resolve the issues as they come up because they can just be detrimental. 
Yeah. I've never heard someone say that they regretted letting someone go. No, it's always tough, right? And it it's is like, tough. as soon as you do it, it's better for that person. It's also better for the organization, but it can be so painful just getting to that final decision. Like let's do it because no one wants to make that call. But for the individual, most of the time people know that they're in a wrong fit or, but making that change is really difficult. But as soon as you do, that person's going to go out and spend their most precious commodity on time in another spot. That's going to be hopefully a better spot for them. And it's going to be a better spot for the team. And you also kind of reinforce like, hey, this isn't a value that we share. This is causing issues and we've got to go forward. So what's up for the next year? I mean, I saw on your website, you have like 40 job openings. Tell me what's what's spurring that growth. I mean, we've just been growing really quickly. So, I mean, we're ranked the number nine fastest growing company in North America, which is awesome to see. And off that, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And as we kind of look at, we started out with this mission of like, how do we transform how goods and assets are used and really find this spot inside of the vehicles and commercial vehicles for businesses and helping them be more successful, helping them be able to scale up and down. I kind of look at fundamentally what we're chasing is if you look 20 years ago, if you're starting a software business, you would have servers and you buy servers and you keep them in your office or a co facility. Today, you'd never think twice if you're starting a software company to go like to AWS or Google right. Cloud. And we're effectively doing the same thing for trucks. So businesses that out there that you know, need trucks to go out and deliver goods and services to people, instead of going out and buying a fleet of trucks, they can you know, say, okay, we need 20 for this weekend, 50 for next weekend, or we need 100 trucks Monday through Friday or for the next year. They can hop on our app and scale up and scale down. You know, someone that's got an idea for a new business that needs vehicles, you don't have to go out to a dealership and go buy them anymore. You just hop on our app and away you go. Do you have the drivers as well? No, we just provide the vehicles. Just so, the vehicles. Okay. That's right. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's great. So who are you looking for for this next year? So, I mean, a lot of the things that we're doing here is we've scaled up dramatically, built a national footprint, and now it's really helping big businesses, medium-sized businesses, small businesses be more effective on terms of how do they have a fleet of vehicles, not make it the pain of buying, selling, managing, maintaining them, insuring them. All those complexities, taking that all away. And so it's really everybody from engineering to business development to account managers that are helping businesses do that across the U.S. Okay, great. That's great. And tell us, what are some of your values? Like, Who are people that are a great fit for you? In terms of just their personality and values? Well, I think off the the value side, I mean, we've got like really five core values that we kind of look at. I mean, the core basis of it is that we're looking for people that are going out there driving initiative, people that are growing and challenging the system, innovation, and like looking at what should be done and taking chances and going out there and building it. Doing the right thing is always a core function of what we look at, empowering our teams to go out there and make calls for the customers, for their employees, for anybody that works alongside of us and saying, hey, this isn't the right way to do it. We need to change this. We need to fix this. Empowering them to go out and do the right thing. And it really is like the self-starter, hardworking, focused, smart person that's going to be in a system where you may have never done it before, but we're going to give you the opportunity. We're going to push it and challenge it. And we're going to help build great leaders for the future. That's great. Yay. I love that. Well, hopefully some of our listeners are going to stumble upon this podcast and say, that's me. I could work there. <laughs> We're looking for badass people who want to help us go out there and transform how assets are used, how businesses work in the world, and especially real life assets, real life vehicles. I mean, like being able to make that so easy and seamless. So anybody has access to what they need when they need it to get the job done. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful, Jimmy. So I think on that note, I think that's a great way to end this today. So thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. And 
we'll check in with you in a couple months and see how things are going. Awesome. Thanks, Kendra. Great to meet you. Yeah, you as well, Jimmy. Thanks. Thank you for joining this exciting episode. We hope this discussion brings you closer to a better, healthier, and more rewarding workplace everyone deserves to be a part of. If you want more content like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at turningthecornerllc.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to share this with your friends in the corporate world. And together, let's make this space a hub of growth and job satisfaction. If everyone loves where they are, they can always give their best without regrets. That's all for now. See you on the next one.